so I had this funny thought that came in my head <laughs> after a conversation I was having last night with a group of friends and I was just essentially saying um, <laughs> I asked a question and it was just out of the fun of it and we were talking about music and for some reason the conversation was all focused on me like who are you what are you doing all of that um and anyway um I kind of wanted to get myself out of the center of the conversation because I felt like there was a bunch of other people that were there not to just listen to me talk about myself. And I already spent a good amount of time talking about myself in earlier conversations, so I like was happy to pass over the talk to somebody else. But, I mean, essentially, I ended up asking a question in just a fun way, just popped in my head, like, oh, this, you know, would be really cool to know, I want to ask you all, like, what song would you choose if you had to sing all of the lyrics to, and your very life depended on it? Like, this is a do or die situation. And <laughs> the, um, the responses were funny, uh, I never got around to sharing my mind, but it brought us into some interesting conversations where um, somebody said that they would sing Happy Birthday because it's the easiest one to remember, right? Everybody knows Happy Birthday song. And the, immediately I'm like, well, you know, but whose birthday is it? So when it gets to the name part, what do you do? And this guy, like, oh, you got me there. I didn't even think of that. And uh, it was it was such a funny moment. I loved it. Like, you know, it wasn't just for the fact that, oh, I have wit and it's funny and it's great. But also because it just to recognize what people don't recognize, you know, like. I guess it, it just, it comes from years of me looking at the world differently than other people, but <laughs> I don't know. Those are the types of questions that I ask. And I ask, like, I think it's awesome when other humans think those things as well, but more often than not, they don't even think of that. That's not even where their mind goes. And, you know, for a long time, I thought that meant that I was strange, but it doesn't mean that they're strange and doesn't mean that I'm strange. It just means that, wow, we're all, we all got different perspectives, you know, and it just made me realize all we have is perceptions and perspectives, essentially. And so what do you do with that? Like, you become so involved in trying to fine polish those, those two aspects. I mean, you kind of look at it like looking through a telescope, right? You know, the perceptions and the perspectives are just the, the two different uh, ends to a telescope. You know, you have to look through one to be able to see out the other, but the two together is what gives you the capacity to, to look 
you know, a, a, a greater distance of detail, you know? And so, and then this was what made it funny, which, you know, if it's funny, then there's something there to learn. And, um, so I looked at it and, uh, people having this, uh, reaction to the surprise of, oh, you got me there. I didn't even think of it that way. Man, that is really funny. And that, you know, that's what my awareness points to. That's silly, crude humor, whatever. Um, but the people are not crude, I guess, like, you know, simple humor is what it is. And then, like, people don't think about that all the time. Like, for some reason, they, they don't think that's mature. It's, like, foolish to think that. You know, it's, like, childlike. It's, like, yeah, it is childlike. It's filled with wonder and mystery, not trying to act like, oh, I've been here for a long time, so I know enough that, you know, i got to be mature about these things. I don't think that way. I think in these more intelligent ways. Like, yeah, it's great to, you know, think intelligently, but sometimes you have to see things like a child. Be like a child. That's how you learn. I mean... All the greats of the past have told us the same thing, but for some reason, nobody, nobody learns. And I guess it's because it's just not that funny to them, you know? Like, how can I present that in a more funny way? Well, I mean, perfect example with this song, you know? Like, uh, to go on in the conversation, is like, okay, well, how about this? Instead of the happy birthday song, where you have to say a name, so then you know, it brings it, well, whose name is it? You can throw out a random name and chances are there is somebody with that name that has a birthday. And so you wouldn't be entirely wrong, but you know, would you be right enough that it wouldn't cost you your life? So like, that's, you know, ultimately what it boils down to. So I'm like, well, what about that uh, very merry unbirthday song? Could you sing that one, you know, from uh, Alice in Wonderland? And it suddenly becomes a little bit easier. It's like, oh yeah, because no part of that song mentions a specific name it's just like you know very merry and birthday to me and to you like so the um see that obviously wouldn't be the song that I would choose because I can't get the lyric exactly right but the point is is that it it doesn't have any I guess requirements there's no like pretenses to it it's just words and it could be sung to anyone because it's a you and it's a me and as long as those two exist then you know the song has no question whether or not you're singing it right. You know, there's no context to the lyrics that might make it wrong. You just have to know what's being said and then to repeat it in similar, like, fashion. So I think that, you know, and then people, I said that to people, like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. And then it got into, you know, it, it's funny, you know, what if uh, you sing that and it's not my birthday? It's like, yeah, that's true. So it makes you think, uh, is it just supposed to be in general, right? Or, you know, how specific are we in terms of, um, like, if me singing that and whoever was the, the judge of whether or not I sang it right, and it happened to be their birthday, and I sang Happy Mary on Birthday to you, um, would that discount <laughs> whether or not it's correct or not I don't know um but that's an interesting thought to think of what if that was one of the the contexts and anyway I feel like that fact that people don't internalize these 
silly things uh, quite like I do, uh, it almost makes me sad. Like, I want to teach these people to live again, have fun with life. Uh, and I, I think I did in the sense I was in the room and it made people laugh. They kind of giggled about it. But, um, yeah, not, not being able to somehow... like break away what goes on in my head in terms of like thinking because I do think like a child that I don't belong in with the big kids <laughs> almost like uh all these people are talking about much more serious things than I am you know and but you know this bigger part of me is like actually these people probably need that comic relief because uh, you take yourself a little too seriously and especially when you're like trying to be taken seriously and so I think we're all just kind of doing each other a disservice by not just being fun and having a good time and the thing is like I know my humor is silly and probably could be looked up as being like foolish and kind of sound a little stupid and naive and simple but you know what that's that is important it's really important in terms of not being so full of yourself that you have to carry this big weighted ego with you wherever you go and you know always come to toes with somebody else that might be you know measuring you up in in contrast and you know being simple like I, I don't have to do that and I'm not weighted by that, and so my ego still comes into play, it's still there, but it's like this remote accessory that I can use if I want, but I can choose to overcome it because I have greater self-control, my ego doesn't define me, so I don't need to defend it, it's just there to use as a great tool for me to self-express the the personality and characteristics of the human that I that I choose to be. And that's really what it is, is, the human I choose to be every day. I know, like, yesterday in this conversation, uh, I chose to be open, and I chose to express myself, and I chose to not be afraid to answer the questions, and to to let other people know about me, because, you know, I just felt there was, if they are curious enough to ask the questions, and I'm, you know courteous enough to respond and that it will fulfill whatever uh, bits of curiosity that they have so that they can resolve out questions based off of my willingness to share with them rather than them creating a complexity of uncertainties surrounding the air of my mystery and then they start you know questioning and doubting whether or not I'm be real or mythical and then they'll formulate all these stories in their head to try to, you know, decipher what it is that they're seeing and try to pick out, you know, tendencies to call me out on my bullshit somehow. And, and you know, that beco it becomes this ego, ego trip for them. And it their entire experience and encounter with me is based off of the ego's need to, to compare me so that they can justify themselves. And I don't really like being that type of object. So I'd rather be the subject of a conversation. And 
the only way to make me the subject is for me to be able to tell the stories, make sure that there's a sub subjective context um, that the conversation is constructed with so people can be informed based off of the nuance of my my language than the, um, these imaginative uh, kind of like story plots that they put in their own head. Uh, just, they're looking in their environment and they're you know, sending out a signal, kind of like a radar does, like, hmm, let's see what, you know, kind of noise comes back if, if we send this signal out there. And so something about the influence of their impressions in the space will, uh, uh, you know, and they wait in anticipation that it's going to cause a reaction. Uh, their perceptions are like dotted with their imaginations of like, oh, what am I seeing here? And they inform their decisions with the, like, I'm going to look at it this way and I'm going to put the label on it this way and say, um, this is how I make sense of it. This is what you're seeing. This is what's real and what's really going on. And people spend so much time thinking of it in those terms when it's like, how could, how could, like, you don't know me from Adam or Eve. Like, you don't know me. I'm a stranger, right? How could you possibly know who I am uh, to be able to inform your decisions enough to make and cast a judgment about me uh, without ever knowing my story? If you don't know my story, you haven't heard it from my mouth, who I am and what I've been through, you have no way to tell who I am. It's all just constructs in your head, you know? And I think that's an important value of like our, our, our days of digital, uh, you know, interactions. The internet has connected us to the capacity where we can leave frozen portions of ourselves online that are representations other people can come and experience about us. And it's great that we have that because it saves me a lot of time to have to retell a story, you know, and if you care enough, you know, there's, there's evidence out there and you can decide for yourself, um, you know, whether or not you want to believe any of the, the things that are out there to see. And, you know, and then, so I figured today's digital age, it's not hard to know a person. You can figure them out if you want to be all stalkerish about it. Um, but, wouldn't you rather just ask the person and, and see what they have to say? Because don't you think everybody has the chance to inform an opinion about whether or not you're the type of person that you would want to be around? Anything you find on the internet is going to be past tense and it's only going to be representations of one aspect of a person. Experiencing them in real life, you get the full complexity of how they organize and orient those things. It's not what you know, it's it's how you go about expressing what you know. And, you know, that's really like the identity that I like to meet people on and rather than with egos. It's just that expression, self-expression. And uh, that's where I learn. That's where I get the, those, that's haha funny moments uh, is in that real experience with the other person. I think that's why when I, I research and study something about like past brilliant minds like Nikola Tesla, um, you know, I don't just look at his work and I don't, I look at like newspaper articles that were written about him, any autobiographies, uh, any type of recorded conversations. I look at pictures. I, I listen to 
um, you know, the stories of, of other people that were influenced by his work. And I taken this full spectrum as much as I can of plotted information and said, this is about what he was. Um, and somewhere in that, his story, then I can like get an idea of who he was. And then I can understand better where he was coming from in terms of his work. So that's where the aha and that's funny comes. It's like, oh my gosh, it really is that simple of a perception. And they, and he shifts my perception all the time. The more I get to know Nicola, the more he shifts my perception and I'm able to see things so much more clearly. Um, so thank goodness for all the records that are there so that you can know that. For me, I felt like uh, letting people know who I am is important, but it's less important, like who I am than how I go about explaining who I am. Cause really what I'm talking about there is how I'm perceiving my world and how I perceive my world is far more important than the, the details of it. So like yesterday describing, you know, my childhood, describing my experiences with music and with, uh, sports and, uh, you know, my family dynamics, I, I mentioned a lot of like really private things. And then I realized, wow, it's just not, you can't possibly, uh, you know, know me just based off of my profile. But now that we've had that conversation, you, you see more about me. And so maybe when I say things that seem uh, crazy or something I said before that seemed crazy, you, you read it now and you're like, whoa. Well, now it starts to make sense. I can kind of see the bigger picture. I know what you're about instead of that ego trip saying, oh, this is what I'm looking at. And, you know, which the ego is mostly about defending. And, and what I call it is the ego's worthless defense. You're just like literally defending your some aspect of yourself that is not a full representation. And, you know, but it's funny because we spend so we invest so much of ourselves in protecting that ego you know, the ego is important, so it makes sense, but it's much more important to to focus your forces on the greater things, which is your, your personality and your character and, you know, the representations of that in communication and conversation. So for me, I don't come at it um, with my ego all flared out like, hey, this is me and what I'm doing. Um, but it, it'll be like... Um, It'll be this kind of welcoming. I, I try to be just obnoxious in the sense of like, this is me, full flare personality, you know, take me as I am, leave me for those, um, or if you can't, leave me for those who can. Um, or as they say, uh, take me as I am or leave me for those who can. And, and that's just like my, my motto in that regard in, in terms of how I'm going to conduct myself. And I've, I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine with me. I'm just glad people try to take a chance because I know there's something about me that will help to bring out their best version just because my character and personalities like demands it. The laws of my personality demands it. And I, I see it with consistency. It's something that, you know, by recording it, which I do as much as I can, um, but it actually shows something fundamental to how humans change each other. And, um, you know, I recognize it as this valuable thing. And I, I, I learned to play with it. I learned to take advantage of it in the sense of my whole point is I really want to provoke people to drop their egos, worthless defense, and start taking up forces to to 
personify themselves and to develop their character and to be considerate of those things. And so I feel somehow like being the prime example myself, it shows other people how to follow that example, not be like me. I don't want people to to copycat me, but I want people to recognize the parts within me they can emulate in themselves that would gain them great feats of advantage. And this is why we're social creatures. We want to monkey see, monkey do. You know, how does a child learn anything? It's from the parents. It's from those great models that show you how to do things. And it's just that constant repetition of like, here, see this with consistency uh, so you recognize what, what is true and what is false, you know, what fits and what doesn't. And, you know, understand it on those terms rather than these really crazy narratives that go on in your head, which are, you know, ego-based and very boxed in. It's limited by your uh, preconceived notions, which are developed by your prior conditions and your limitations in terms of your life experience. And then a whole spool of other variables that all connect together is just this thread line of your life existence is how was your human experience affected in poked at in all these different ways? Because that's going to change your shape, it's going to change your form, it's going to inform your perceptions to focus on certain types of pressures because you remember being poked in that way and you learned how to respond to it based off of, you know, what ended up happening. It's like, oh, I you know if I if I poke this and it shocks me it sure is fucking touching it again like that sort of thing and and a lot of that informs our subconscious that we don't even have an opportunity to in the moment like think about why it is that that irks us you know you think emotions and in energies in terms of like our sensations and our feelings those work to inform our bodies so much but most people don't take the time to learn that language and understand what it's all about and use it to make sense of the world they just they use their tiny little brains when they have a full body brain that they could be using. They're just focusing on this one aspect of their brain, which, I mean, it's amazing in itself. It has so much capacity to create complexity in a tiny condensed space, which is a miracle in itself. But the whole body communicates. The whole body is a computer, essentially, and it, it calculates and it computes and it sends these signals that help your brain put it all together so that you have one whole human experience of you know whatever it is that's coming in through the highways of of perception and your perspective is limited by whether or not you're willing to open yourself up to the possibilities you know are you going to look at this thinking that it's something you've seen before and try to make sense with all that that's in your head like okay everything that i learned everything i know how does this compare to that it or are you going to you know, just personify a characteristic that is going to amplify something else in somebody else and mirror any reflection back of what it actually is that could be matching and then express it in yourself so it expresses in the other. And by nature, you come to know what the fuck it is because you know it's either, yes, it's like you in this way or no, it's not like you in this way. And it gives you feedback. So you kind of get the parameters you figure out what it is that you're touching upon here it's like all right it has this edge here all right oh that feels similar you're like whoa that's just really odd I've never seen that before what the fuck's going on you figure it out and and it's just based off of being yourself being your personality and then play with that play with the notion of like and we do it already subconsciously we teach 
each other how to treat one another based off of how we treat others. And so um, when you go into a space and you're kind to someone, then that naturally triggers the other person's you know, reflection to be kind as well, unless they have some sort of beef against you, in which case they could be really snooty or shitty to you. And in that case, that shows, again, like more like the other person than you. It's not you're not the problem. You're just the impression that brings out the problem that they probably really need to address in themselves. Of course, they don't necessarily, uh, you know, choose to do that. But, you know, for those that do choose to be conscious about it, you end up learning a lot about yourself. And you, if you actually integrate that into your human experience, like personify that and characterize it and then, you know, create it as a habitual form so it's not subconscious but it is super conscious so it's something that you actively apply like a tool to discern the universe in this cognitive sense of like applying good judgment and reasoning to either create you know false negatives or you know positives in in a sense that you could actually find where affinities exist that might be amplified by coming together with a certain type of person. And so you see where you just have this tremendous responsibility to interact with one another and, you know, deal with each other more kind and more kindly. Um, like, you know, Carl Sagan was preaching to us with the pale blue dot. Like literally we have to look at humanity as this one big, huge species and that we are all stewards of spaceship earth. And Pale blue dots, all we got, and it's all that we've ever had, and all we will ever know if we, uh, you know, end up staying here on, on Earth and never going beyond. And that the great challenge would be like to find a way to use what we got here on planet Earth to expand ourselves as a greater species than just this one planet, and evolve into a new form of uh, human species on on planet Mars, and so. Now we have a higher order of species. We have Earth species and then we have Mars species. And But there's still some kind of reflective connection in the terms of humans are on both of those planets. And so how the humans are affected in their differences and affinities for one another will say so much about the capacity for life to evolve. And we'll actually be able to see that playing out in, in the field of determinants. We'll, we'll be able to see with such a higher order degree of obviousness and experience that's going to, to reflect and show those that we can actually point to it and say what it is about the human genome that is able to become these other things simply by the impressions of perspectives and perceptions that develop you know, and, and, and so it goes, it's not just about priors and, and, and preconditions, but it's also about environments for how people will perceive and, and um, take into perspective their surroundings, essentially what they'll focus on and how they'll inform their thoughts. Are, are they informing it mostly with their own narratives and just trying to make assumptions about somebody and not really listen and allow a person to express themselves? Or are they allowing to, you know, uh, put that tool of, of calculation and judgment behind them. You know, it's there for when you need it, when something doesn't make sense, then you use your judgment to, to figure out how to understand it as truthfully as possible. You know, you use your judgment to determine those, those things that don't make sense. You don't use it to determine what everything is. And so like, uh, but allowing like another person that you're meeting to tell their story, you start to inform like, oh, this all starts to make sense more. I understand what's going on. I know what's happening here. And, um, you know, like, well, 
there's something a little off here. You had, you, your judgment says, hmm, well, you know, my question here, what doesn't seem like it makes a connect is this. So let's ask a question that can somehow fill in those blanks as closely as it can. And then you understand that every there's going to be dashes and dots. There's going to be spaces between. There's going to be some things that don't appear to connect so obviously. And that's where you have to come into this higher order judgment. Not like judgment in the sense of like, you're good, you're bad, you're right, you're wrong. But a higher order judgment that says, okay, based off of the big picture, what the fuck's going on here? You know, like you can see so much more of the happenings, especially after you have enough time to kind of see what's going on. And uh, it starts informing you of like, oh, this is really what's happening here. It's a... Uh, it's something more than, uh, it's more than just the words that are being said in the conversation. It's more than, you know, like body language or, you know, it, it's more than however your memory is choosing to inform the situation. But it's also getting to the point where you're like, okay, I have, um, I have a couple of choices here. I have options, right, of how to proceed forward in this. Do I want to become more involved because it seems interesting enough that I might learn a thing or two at the very least about myself or potentially about another person that has a perspective that may inform me of things that will help me to better understand the world in the ways that matter to me most. And then those are the people you want to cultivate, the ones that can actually fuel your fire and can can help you with your work and not hinder it, to, to amplify it, not be jealous of it, these sorts of things. And so you have these conversations with people and you determine your circle group, who's going to be in your, you know, in your bubble space and actually affect your, your, uh, perceptions and in your uh, perspectives because that person's going to be in your space your perspective is going to be skewed by them you can't stop that from happening especially the more that you like love respect and appreciate something the more you're going to in in a sense uh, imitate or emulate them um, most of the time imitation is about intimidation in in I'm going to say this word wrong but it's intimacy that's animated intimidation i mean that that seems right um that's probably a word i'll pull up in dictionary later and double check but the point is is that it's this this animated intimacy that is brought forth in this agency of like choosing how you want to interact with an individual what are your interests you know what are the mutualities between them that you know might serve good for them or good for you and and that right there, you only let certain people into that sphere because you don't want to allow these other people that can really mess up your space into your sphere. And so the thing is, is like, how big are your, is that sphere of perception that really informs? Like, do you, can you take on a large group of people? Can you, does it have to be a very small amount of people? And I think, you know, the answer is whatever is right for you. And I personally have a lot of people that I feel that type of closeness with. It's a sense of community and that I am a member of the community and I want to inform them, you know, what the what this community representative is all about. Because I feel it will help them to figure out how to imitate, assimilate, or, or emulate whatever it is within me that will bring out what I hope will be the best version of them. And that somehow through that, it gets to the point where you can expect those people to behave a certain way just because you're in this space. 
and that that type of influence, being an influencer where it's not like, hey, everybody, let's throw our hands in the air and wave them like we don't care. It's not like fucking Simon says. It's just like, I'm going to be me and you are going to do you. And we know how to do that delicate dance of the back and forth with one another. And it's not a perfect process, and there's always going to be shit that should have been said and would have been said and could have been said, if only, if only. But the point is, is that what didn't happen doesn't matter, so who fucking cares? What does matter is what did happen and how you choose to proceed forward. And, you know, people get so caught up in the dramas of, oh, what if, what if, if only, if only, and they really miss out on the opportunity to gear their perspectives and turn it towards the future potentials instead of the past possibilities that they missed out on. Oh, woe is me. Let me drama about it. Not to say that we don't look at our past to be informed and to understand, oh, wow, these great lessons that I learned along the way. Yeah, but you don't look at the future with through the lens of the past as if you're looking to see the past in the future and for it to not be different. Like, you can't think everything's going to always be the same. You have to expect it's going to have a little bit of the sameness, you know, just enough that it has continuity. It actually obviously evolved from somewhere of similarity. And, you know, but overall, everything else is going to be these random opportunities. It is the infinite possibilities that sit in front of you. Are you going to find them? Are you going to see them there? Are you going to get to the point where you can actually be in that experience of like, whoa, everything's different. Everything's changed. And is that going to be a place that you'd want to arrive at? And so looking in that type of perspective, all of a sudden it becomes super important to how you behave now in, in terms of like what you're taking in and your perceptions and your perspectives and, and how you choose to, to act and behave, how you inform your thoughts. So becoming these great little, you know, calculators, essentially, um, and using the tools of our discernment, our cognitive cap capabilities, our, uh, you know, appropriate positions, our capacity to inform our perceptions and to impress upon ourselves a perspective and to become empathetic so we can take on other people's perspectives without actually fully informing you know forming ourselves conforming ourselves to it like we're little fucking copycats but rather that we are you know emulating and imitating and assimilating the best aspects of them that works for your particular environment to help it become more informed and better and are we caring enough to to see that's what the social experience is really all about is making that happen somehow how do i go about making this the best possible interactions with one another based off of you know, the fact that we're in some sort of sphere of influence of one another. Are we going to be good versions or shitty versions? Are we going to help the other become their best version in, by showing our best version? What, what's going to happen What based off of our, our choices? And so the, it becomes important to so who you choose to be influenced by in those spaces. But I feel at the same time, we can't just abandon ourselves to only ever spend time with those people that you can be most confident with. You have to have higher orders of circular groups and, and communities so that you can influence other people by good models and examples. It doesn't mean you have to spend all your time with them, but you should be showing up. And, and putting the time in, volunteer your time, volunteer your character, volunteer yourself in these spaces, because if you don't, you're not going to have the experiences and the opportunities that are necessary to, first of all, break away from your, you know, uh, old patternings. You always have to, if 
input new feed and new data and it has to be different and it can't all be skewed in one direction too far because you're going to be an underinformed and overinformed in a different way and then you overthink shit and it always goes bad you have to have this diversity of of not being too narrow focused but broadly able to apply the things that you're seeing and observing and it, in in that sense like informing yourself like this is as far as i understand it uh, the way I see the world, and if I put myself in a in a position where other people maybe don't see that way, that it'll help to inform them to look in these areas as well, if their curiosity so compels them to. Um, and so, like, that's why I put myself in situations of community. And my sphere is pretty damn big, because, you know, I learned a long time ago that my how to inform my perceptions and my perspectives in a way that um, suits, you know, the needs of my ego, and it actually informs the identity of my soul's choice. This is my soul's choosing. This is who I want to identify as. And to constantly be a part of this integration process, to let that be who I am. And through my thoughts, actions, and my experiences and encounters with people, I will eventually become that. I show more and more of myself, and more and more people become informed, and like, okay, this is good, you know? Um, and, and something about that will influence them. And my whole point, like the whole reason why I want to do this is because I have this, this dream in my heart. I have this goal that I want to bring peace to the world. And, you know, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know whatever it takes is going to win me the Nobel prize. And it's not like I'm pursuing that. Now my whole goal is to make that happen. Like, no, I just know through the natural course of accomplishing what I'm trying to make happen in the world will no doubt earn me that prestige. Like that's, and that's the prestige that I'm holding myself accountable to is one that I could earn that um, in all due respect and, and be informed by all of the necessary requirements to meet the stringent commands of what it takes to win such a prestigious award. Um, and, and to use that as a sense to also, you know, establish the credibilities of all of the input that I intake. And so as I perform my integrations of perceptions and, and perspectives and I, you know, turn like a kaleidoscope, I, I turn my telescope like a kaleidoscope and s make everything create these different shapes and patterns and forms that I see will eventually help me to arrive at that better place of opportunity. We'll have just enough of what I'm visioning from right now here, just enough of that picture to inform myself that what I'm seeing really is real. And this really is a consequence of my my choices I made along the way to make sense of what I'm seeing as things are coming at me in, in the world. And so I'm just taking on responsibility to do that. And that becomes my life pursuit. And I feel in many ways that just recording my experience is a huge part of making my work actually tangible. And so I'm trying to do more and more of that, but it's been difficult because of um, past past situations of just my ego being very ashamed for the fact that I didn't feel like I was a, a normal human being that could easily be accepted and I felt like an outcast and so I didn't want to put myself in a position where I would ever inform people um, in a negative way I don't like bringing out the shitty version of people I don't like being a bad uh, example to them and so I do my best to try to be a good example and be kind and, and show those things, be the change I'd like to see in the world. But I recognize that some people don't perceive me in a good way. 
and they, they based off of whatever informed decisions they're operating off of, of their perspectives and perceptions they see me as a reason to bring out their very shitty version and they'll even become self-destructive or they will be you know warring with other people and so I try not to put myself in those types of spaces where I'm not going to be a good catalyst but I recognize sometimes I have to kind of play that devil's advocate be in those spaces though you really are uncomfortable it's a distraction and you don't want to be there and you don't want to do it but you make a commitment you say you're going to do it and you show up and you make it happen and so you know that's what I have been about in my life is showing up and showing out and uh, to recognize there's a limit to me like people can only handle so much of me I'm intense and so I try to weigh that in and I try to let people know that they can rein that in, that it is okay. I won't be offended if they say that I'm too much because I know I can be. But the thing is that I have enough control over my own agency that I can tone that down because I'm willing to do that if that's what it takes to make it so people can be comfortable with me. It, it's not like I know exactly the way it's going to be for everybody. I, you can feel a sense of common you know, humanity and um, whether or not you actually act that way towards other people is you know another experience but um if you know what good humanity is and you put yourself into you know effective practical practice of that when you engage with other people likely that's what you're going to bring out in them you shine that best version you become the golden rule and the golden rule essentially just says that you know uh lack a like attracts like and where it's lacking it it ends up becoming in in no longer equal exchange and in the terms of like the cause of the universe you're not going to be able to get enough out of that experience to make it worthwhile your time to invest in it and entropy is ruling in that decadence and decay so really involve yourself in the right spaces that are actually going to build up to higher orders of energy exchange that benefits you you know somehow makes you bigger and better in the here and now you know because the the bigger you are in those those ways i'm not just talking like physical mass but the mass in terms of like our intelligent capabilities the actual essence of our presence of our characters uh, as that becomes like our souls become more informed by everything in these the soul spheres that surround us and we infect other people as they enter our spheres and they infect us as their spheres converge with ours and you recognize how responsible that interchange is you know you want to be a good catalyst so you be the golden rule and there's something about that that will, that connects our our two separate soul spheres and impresses upon ourselves and so you recognize like the like attracts like because you're you're going to pattern up with somebody that's at least close enough to who you are so that you can you know amplify the differences to the point where you yourself can register them it helps you identify how to be repulsed from the things that are, you know, not fulfilling for you. They don't fill those spaces. And what you're looking for is those affinities that can fill the space with either saying, it's, it's kind of like, make the connections, you know, between the spheres of the people that, you know, you have the that closeness and that connection with. And then there's going to be one or two ways that this, the greater sphere of the individual is going to evolve. It's either going to be, it's not similar and, and it's not fulfilling, and so it creates a void space, and that's outside of the circle. So now you know which direction you are actually facing. Are you coming together? Or are you going apart? 
And if you're you're going apart, you know, that just means, all right, this is just a passing through and I'm not going to let this person like inform most of my life because it's a transient temporary thing. But does it reflect back an, a, an attractive affinity and it actually is fulfilling in your life? Yes, it is. Well, that's informing the center part of your sphere and it's actually giving you a bigger piece of the puzzle so you know what the fuck you're looking at when you're you're connecting with people. And, and overall, I see it as like, you know, two individuals come together and they create a superhuman being and that the person that can help you to achieve that, that's, that's your human, you know, that's your, that's your human and your, your partner and you two actually make up this larger sphere of a superhuman and that affects other superhumans at a bigger level. And so we're talking about orders of influence that are actually perceivable based off of the interchange of the two people then inform the higher consciousness of the overall whole collective of the these mating pairs of people in in uh, in like in the human consciousness and uh, you know maybe that's what soulmates are the individual spheres that are moving around you know kind of free floating amongst all these other united pair spheres and just trying to find those attractive affinities and traveling through the spheres until you get to the point where you're closer and closer and closer and you beca things become more familiar, you recognize things more, synchrony is really kicking in, you feel you're driven in a certain direction, things are pulling you know, closer to you, gravity all of a sudden works a little bit different for you because you're lifting up and being carried to this place with such ease that you don't even have to do anything but just trust the process and believe what's happening as being real and worth you know, not re reserving and putting on the brakes with your doubts and denials. You just fully open to the experience and all of a sudden you find yourself at a door that you don't recognize, but you've been there before. And it's, you realize it's the home. It's the door that opens the home into yourself of this greater sphere, this superhuman that you become because you have found your home. You found your, your home and your belonging with that other. And, you know, and this informs this super consciousness that all humanity informs one another on. We're always like looking for those, those partner and pairs so we can create the greater pattern. Because what then happens is these ordered pairs inform others and our greater spheres that we create together, which is only possible to create and tap into if we are together, inform these other togetherness,es and we start forming edges. And then it does the same thing on that level. And this is how you find your people, right? Your vibe attracts your tribe. This is your tribe. This is all of the pieces that are meant to be on this side of the puzzle. You know, like, it's just like seeing a, a, a colorful puzzle and you can tell, well, all of these have this type of color and this type of patterning to it. So obviously they all go in the same general area. Somehow they all fit into each other. And all those greater spheres will come together and it works just like the other one. You know, we align under these terms. Are you moving away from or towards? Oh, you're moving away from? All right, then we're just in passing. But, oh, you move towards? It's like, okay, you're informing the greater picture. So we know that we're family and, you know, we're our peoples. And how else do we connect? And then based off of those ties of, like, I mean, it's kind of like, um, doing like uh, branching out from like a tree and its branches like well this connection goes there and that connection goes there and you start informing the greater sphere of the greater spheres that inform what will become like the whole greater greatest sphere of overall humanity and then and that's just humanity as we exist on earth the human consciousness as it, it has evolved on earth 
in the Earth-like environment, the, the species of Earth-human, um, which is the whole planet is the species, not the human. It's just we're looking at the humans in terms of like that is the most intelligent form that we can see existing on that planet. So that's the one where you get the data from, you know, because it's the one that's informed most intelligently by all the other systems that inform one another to make that whole species. And now take that as our capacity to go and create, take the human, you know, tool, essentially, it's a measure, we're a measuring rod, <laughs> and send us to another planet. Now we become a Mars species that has that intelligent human element on there. And that can help us way measure how life evolves in those circumstances. And now we have two spheres going there and we are able to converge those to create the outlines of the greater sphere, which would be a universal consciousness. And so, and that's like the drive. That's why humans are here, right? We're looking for that universal consciousness and some of us can tap into it because we can see the spheres. We understand how things relate and we're not in a denial process and our egos don't need to fight the concept of accepting that, you know, one day we're going to be oblivion and we're not going to matter in the grander scope. But because we were here made all the fucking difference. And that's the meaning of life. You know, life is just life and it happens because it's meant to and it will always continue to happen so long as we don't fuck it up somewhere in the long run. So the point is don't stop the living. Keep going on somehow so that we can get to that point where we have this super consciousness. Because what we hope for in that time frame is that we'll have such a, a huge capacity to quantitate the universe that things will become so much more effortless in terms of, of our existence that we actually have a chance to almost freeze time. We would create this whole sphere of, of time just frozen in space. And while, you know, the, the universe may go on and eventually come to its end, we would be, you know, encapsulated within this sphere, this frozen bit of time where entropy would not be able to totally overcome us. And in essence, it would be, I mean, not hard to argue the fact that that could encapsulate us to save us to go through the great filter of the end of the universe happens and bloop, a new universe appears out of that. So what part of the prior universe can make it through that transition without being affected by the, you know, errors of time? It would be, have to be that universal consciousness created and informed by the super consciousness of, of planetary consciousness and, uh, you know, human species consciousness and planet uh, and plants and animals and minerals and all of that as it keeps coming down to the smallest form on planet Earth. And we see this genesis of planet Earth um, and how all of this has come together so that we can become what is necessary in order to send that signal through that the chances that this will happen again, the chances that life is possible in the universe again is greatly enhanced just by the fact that we existed and that we didn't 
cease to exist. And so in my sense, like that's what we should be working towards is getting this super micro, super macro look at human consciousness and why we're coming together and to use Earth is a prime example of understanding the intelligences that are working off of each other and extrapolate them through the spheres so that we eventually get to this universal consciousness that will allow us to compute the, the necessary encoding in the system that will eventually evolve back into humans having the chance to, to start over again, uh, new life in a, in, in a new place, far beyond you know, the reaches of the limits of time in this known universe. Um, and, but to inform that somewhere in the known universe that is to come, we would still happen. And then the great part comes is like, wow. So there's going to be similarity and it's going to be different. It's going to be very different because things are different in this new universe. This universe is an evolution. It comes from but it's not that. It's just like that the little piece of the past that's always going to be in the future. But what can we possibly become, you know, then that's so much better than we are now? But then it's great in the sense like I get excited thinking about that because I know everybody who I've ever loved, everybody who I've ever experienced, everybody who I, I ever wish that I had more time with. Guess what? I get more time with them somewhere down the line, you know, whatever it was that brought us together is going to come together again someday and it's going to grow and it's going to be better for everything it was informed of in the past and all these new conditions to do it right to do it different the next time and and to me that seems like a, a much better way to come to terms with life and death than it is to conform myself to like religious dogma or something to that effect i feel somehow it's more important that i can you know influence the spheres to, to better the chances of my reincarnation coming back as being a pretty good influence rather than not giving it my all in this lifetime. And then my future self, my future version, you know, ends up suffering for it. And then I kind of feel like, wow, I would never wish on anybody the shitty experiences I had in my life. I would hope that I could set it up for a future that that sort of thing can never happen. It's innovated out, you know, and, and so I don't have to worry about it happening. And, and that's what I would hope for, for myself, my future self, is that I did enough today to make sure that that future that is to come is, is going to look brighter than it does now, not duller. Now, I am fighting against entropy. I'm fighting against, you know, the loss, the lossiness um, and, and recognizing it's important to inform enough strength to, so we can actually get through the fucking filter. Because as it exists now, you know, humans might die out before it's the end of the universe, before they ever came together as this super conscious, and nothing of our existence will ever be able to continue on. And, you know, I feel in some sense there's, there's always a super universal consciousness that's there, and whether or not we are really wholly involved, it's still going to make it through the filter. Life is going to continue to go on in some regard. But it might just be that, you know, we lose at round two. And that humans don't make it to that point. And I just don't want that to happen. So I spend all my time looking at 
How can I look at humans a different way? How can I look at the experiences in a different way? How can I somehow take my capacity to look at the world in this way and inform others with that type of perspective so that they can you know, improve their human experience, which will improve the human experience of everybody else? Help us fill in the spheres so we know what it is that we're dealing with and so that we can use that to our advantage to you know, come together with as much strength of bonding and the right combinations and forms that we can make it through that great filter and have another chance to do it right in the future. You know, we're redeeming time for ourselves and all we have is this moment. So we have to make the most of it. And so, you know, be good to each other, be kind and do yourself a service to to be curious and be like a child in the sense that you're not going to harbor bias and, and, you know, you're not going to be... Uh, you know, hold back by your fears and you're going to be daring and be brave and be courageous and take on life and, and shine your best example. Live out that golden rule. Look for those that's funny moments. Don't take yourself too seriously, but still become an intelligent species. Apply yourself to, you know, these uh, cognitive adaptations that help us to unfold the universe before us and inform ourselves and our future selves uh, exactly what it takes in order for us to make the type of world that we, we want to see. You know, let's make sense of it and, and share those with other people. And we're social creatures and we're, we're physical creatures. Our flesh vessels and vessels inform us of a lot of what's going on. Our social interactions and encounters and, and engagements is, you know, how we, we express ourselves. And those expressions are helping to, you know, cross-connect the the different laws of attraction and repulsion and all the other universal laws that form us into these superhumans, into these supraspheres all the way up. And for us to choose to and strive to become a, a, a multi-planetary species, like a species that is a, a Earth species, a, Mer a Mars species, a, a Jupiter species, and these other planets that we can get to the point where it's eventually, um, you know, interstellar. And that will create this best chances we got to, to make it through. And uh, that to me seems far more appealing than having to inform myself on, you know, righteous dogma or whatever. Um, or to become too scholarly about it um, and to miss out on the point of life, which is living and loving and having fun about it. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I could somehow impart that into the lives of the individual so it makes it easy for them to accept that as being real, um, where it's like you're not, uh, you don't have to do anything except for accept and believe this and it will improve your life and other people's life and somehow make that be an, an easy thing to apply into people's lives. I think that I will have, you know, discovered world peace and be deserving of that Nobel Peace Prize. And I mean, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if it was all just as simple as having a conversation, and somehow that would win over the world, win over, win over the people's hearts and the minds, and somehow it was able to stand for everything that I believe, you know, my life is about, and all of those things that people, for some reason, when they do experience me, either makes them love me or hate me, yeah. So I feel like, you know, keeping up that conversation is super important. That's why I'm glad I, I partook in that great conversation last night because it makes me feel even more empowered today. And I feel even more like this is the right path for me. And I'm so grateful 
for everybody that showed up and for allowing me to have my space to be myself and allowing me to give them space to be themselves. It's constructive, you know, it's productive and it's pleasurable. I think that's the most important part. So yeah, looking forward to doing more than that. Be well.